Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host, and I'm heading back down to Australia, where we have so many good friends down in Australia. They're doing a lot of great things, and today I get to visit Adelaide, which I've never visited on the podcast before, and uh, this chiropractor graduated from Macquarie University in 1997, has been in practice, and he's also um, really worked hard at, at creating a new school that will be soon coming to Australia, and we'll get into that story later on. But, uh, but I'm really excited to be interviewing Dr. Patrick Sim. Welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you very much, Don. And, and may I say, uh, I've, I've been sort of getting up to speed with, uh, with your podcast here. And I've got to say, you've got a wonderful radio voice. Much better than your TV face. So that's, uh, that's, <laughs> that's why I don't have a TV face. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. And, and so um, we were just talking before the, before the call. We were saying, where did we meet the first time? Because we've, we've met at a few different places. We've met at The Wave and we've met at Fiji on Fire. And then we were thinking, well, maybe it was just on Facebook, but it seems like we've known each other for a long time. But, but the thing is, we have, we have the same philosophy and, and we have the same intent and, and very congruent. So it's, uh, it's like we've known each other forever, but we don't know exactly how long that's been. I, I agree with you completely. I think it's a Canadian-Australian thing. We're similar people. Yeah, exactly. That's totally true. So, so um, like I like to start with all my guests is going right back to the very beginning. And, and, and how did you find out about chiropractic in the very first place? Uh, well, I'm one of those uh, strange chiropractic miracles. Um, not that I had an epiphany when I was young about chiropractic, but uh, I actually didn't know anything about chiropractic until a couple of years after I graduated. Um, uh-huh. so I was like a miracle in reverse. Yeah, uh, reverse so, Yeah, yeah. I'd always be fascinated by, you know, the natural world. So I'm a big fan of David Attenborough um, and all those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and was always drawn to, to you know, that, the body when it comes to those, those things. So in the end, I, I don't quite know or remember a time that I decided to become a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. It seems that, um, you know, there are other things in play there. Uh, I ended up doing my science degree at Adelaide University and then moved to Sydney to do my my master's in chiropractic. Um, but it wasn't really until I got a job two years after graduation that someone started talking about the philosophy. And uh-huh. it's also made sense from there. That's cool. So when you were in school, um, kind of what was your, what was your idea of what chiropractic was like when you're in school and how was your experience at school? Um, well, I, I, to be completely honest, I um, didn't have a clue. Like uh, mm-hmm. I think I spent more time playing football and um, <laughs> you know, socializing than I did yeah. worrying too much about, about chiropractic. Right. So, you know, I was a real heathen, I suppose, in that respect. Yeah. Um, I, I think we, we, did, we did have a philosophy class, um, yeah. but I, I know that um, for the examination for that class, the lecturer just left the room. It, was, it wasn't, didn't account for anything. So there's no real emphasis placed on it. Right. Um, people did sort of mention the 33 principles and that sort of stuff. Um, I remember some Godstairs turning up and talking about chiropractic, and that sort of made some sense to me in, some, in a very mechanical point of view. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really have a sense of it. You know, but I think what it came out, I, I reckon it probably was um, understanding chiropractic more as, as a physiotherapy type thing. Yeah. And that same sort of confusion I'm sure so many people uh, have when they, when they graduate. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say that for my first two years, I spent more time being the plumber and the carpenter and the cleaner 
and the CA, then I did the chiropractor in the practice. Um, right. so it was a very, very odd, odd way to start. Well, and so when you graduated, were you originally from Adelaide? Is that where you grew up? Uh, yeah, I've got a sort of a mixed background, but spent most of my time here in Adelaide. I was, I was born in Melbourne. Um, my dad's Singaporean, mum's Anglo-Australian, but spent most of my life here in Adelaide. Okay, and so when you graduated from um, Macquarie, you just immediately wanted to go back to Adelaide? Is that what happened? Well, not really. I mean, Adelaide, I remember being, being very embarrassed by Adelaide. Like, it was considered a bit of a backwater. Um, okay, really? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, I had a great time here when I was younger and growing up, but uh, moving from Adelaide to Sydney is quite a contrast. You know, you're right. one of the world's, world's great capitals, and it's a beautiful place to be a student. Uh, I remember sitting on Parramatta Road. This is, again, after I graduated and caught in very heavy traffic and then deciding, my God, what am I, what am I doing here? You know, the, life is hard in a big city. And yeah. it was at that point that I decided to shift back to Adelaide. Yeah. Well, that's so funny is that we've, we've seen Adelaide in the news quite a bit lately in uh, Canada because you guys are like plus 46 or what, yeah. what was that? What was your temperature that you guys get? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Adelaide was the hottest city on the planet. And this was the 24th of January. I remember that because it was an auspicious day for the college as well. But uh, on the 24th of January, we hit 47 degrees centigrade. I don't know what that is in, in uh, Fahrenheit. Don't worry. I don't know either. Well <laughs> <laughs> it's hot. It's hot. Yeah, it was hot. It was we very hot. <laughs> yeah, bizarre. It's bizarre. And, uh, you know, looking out the window now, it's uh, in the mid-20s and raining. So oh. you know, it's very, very yeah. Well, that's a contrast. Yeah. Cause then we were just in the minus thirties here, like last week and, and, and now we're all like, wow, it's so nice today. It's only minus 20. It's all relative. <laughs> I cannot imagine what that's like. We all freak out when it gets to 10 degrees. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. You have to come to Canada one time. And I, the funniest thing is we had uh, uh, Martin Harvey come to, to Edmonton one time and it was like minus 30 and just to watch him try to walk on snow, like he never did in his life. It looked like he was like a baby just learning how to walk. And it was just the funniest thing ever. So I, I'd love to see that. <laughs> I could just imagine that he'd be all trying to protect his latte as he walked though. Yeah. With his nice leather bottom shoes when they just freeze up and they're like pure, it's like, it's like curling shoes, but anyway, we digress. <laughs> so when you went back to Adelaide, did you um, start off as an associate or just open your own practice or how did you get in? How did you start practice? Uh, no, there was a chiropractor back here who was, um, you know, advertising for a position. Mm -hmm. um, the relationship I was in back then was, was with a girl from Adelaide as well. So um, I wanted to move back to be with her. Um, and it just turned out that this, this guy was looking for someone. Um, he asked me about the philosophy during the interview. Uh, and he asked me about my practice and everything else. And I, and I know, I know now that that was not the reason he took me on. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's no way he took me on because of those things. But uh, I think what he saw in me was um, I had a lot of passions for other things. So love my Aussie rules football. And yeah. I was deeply dedicated to that. Um, I'm a bit of a go-getter. So, you know, no one can tell me not to do something. In fact, if you want me to do something, tell me I can't do it. Right. Um, <laughs> So I think he saw that in me and he took me on because of those things. In his mind, he believed that um, if I could show passion in one part of my life, that could flow into up. Yeah, 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 totally. That's yeah. great. And I, 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 I totally believe that too. Cause I know like when I was in high school, I just totally cared about what was basketball and people think yeah. that's a negative, but I think that's good because you can actually like transfer it into something else. So that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so in that, was that an associate position then that you started with? Yes. Yeah. It was an associate position. Uh, it yeah. was paid. Uh, actually it was paid a salary too. So um, yeah. it would have been one of the first practices without doing that. It was very, very low, but compared to what I was making in Sydney, it was great. You know, and there was a, uh, he had set up this whole curriculum as well. So, you know, he was going to uh, teach me these things. I was going to move through these levels. And as I move through these levels, then I'll be paid more, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so as an associate, it, it really got me uh, understanding um, business, 
uh, but probably more importantly, chiropractic. I think that's that's where I started to understand things. Was there was there a moment or a time or that you kind of had that paradigm shift that you remember? He used to hold a monthly staff training that he called Lyceum, uh, okay. and um, he started talking about uh, interestingly the triune of life, and mm-hmm. I really got into that idea. And so to me, it became much more about the geometrics of it. So, you know, if you increase the, the line between uh, force and matter, there, you must be therefore increasing the amount of life there. So I was so caught up in that sort of philosophy type of stuff and then how, how I would be having an influence as a chiropractor on there for increasing someone's life. So uh, that really was the beginning of my, my, my getting into the philosophy of chiropractic. Uh, it was very metaphysical, very headspacey stuff, but yeah. I, would, I would lie in bed at night and think about that sort of stuff. And I still do. I still yeah, do. yeah. Um, I find I find that the fascinating part of the profession. Now, and and so after you just kind of heard that the first time, was there any other seminars or events or anything you did that kind of expanded on that? Yeah, we started going to an event here um, in Australia called Dynamic Growth. They don't hold on anymore, unfortunately. So that was run by the Spinal Research Foundation, which, by the way, if there's anyone out there who's not a member, should be a member. Yes, Um, they're doing great work. Um, uh, uh, Yes, so they, they would hold this big event, and it was a big event. It was the biggest event in Australia. Um, and so a lot of international speakers come over, all the, the great speakers in Australia be part of that. Um, and so I started getting very excited about what I did and who I was with within the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, and that started to open me up to a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you start to, I started to understand then that, uh, you know, having a philosophy around chiropractic has a direct influence then on, on your outcomes. So where those outcomes would be the number of people you're seeing in your practice and therefore your bottom line or more importantly, the effect you're having on your community and therefore, you know, the wider society and the planet, um, it all starts that philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the why behind. As Tony Robbins usually says, the why is like the jet fuel. It gives you that energy to be able to do the things you got to do, right? Absolutely, yeah, it is. It yeah. is, yeah. And now, when, you, um, when you're at the beginning of practice, um, like when you're to grow your practice at first, there's kind of the do things and then there's the be things, right? So if, if you kind of learn the philosophy, that kind of gives you a bigger energy around it. But what were some of the things that you did at the beginning of practice to grow your practice? Uh, well, I'd gone from uh, very much closed doors. Um, so the, the first practice I was, I was in, I had started there as a, I don't know, a massage therapist type thing. And as a graduate, I just moved straight into the chiropractor's role. And the chiropractor's role, I've got to say, wasn't that much different to the massage therapy I was doing beforehand. Right. So you know, I'd turn up, you know, someone would lie down and put this heat lamp over them. Um, I'll get out this massaging, vibrating thing and run that up and down their back for a little bit. Um, and, you know, that, that would be it. Uh, <laughs> I moved from that in, 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 in a closed room to then working in this practice in Adelaide uh, where it's a full-on stadium open plan. So there's yeah. just these two tables in this middle of this huge room yeah. sitting on the perimeter and everyone just come in and when it was their turn, they jump up the table and I'll adjust them. So it was such a contrast. And I, I think what I got from that is firstly that, you know, there was some permission that you could practice that way. Um, yeah. There wasn't this sense of, you know, the white coats, um, the professional, you know, really doctor speaky type thing. You yeah. could actually have fun in practice. And yeah. that spoke to me a lot more about, you know, life and more about who I was, that I could, I could, I could be the center of attention almost as it were, um, but then shift that towards the person. So then the yeah. person is the, the thing and, you know, their body's the magician almost and, you know, what their body's then doing is the, is the rabbit coming out of a hat. Um, it would play this great loud music. So it was a great atmosphere. Uh, the culture of the practice, I think, attracted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I started to see that, again, the philosophy coming through, underpinning the physical environment, um, made the biggest difference, again, for people's experience there. And so they want to keep coming and they'll bring other people with. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So again, it came down to philosophy for me. I also started to understand that, uh, you know, having a plan for people's care was important. So rather than, you know, what I'll loosely call adjusting them when I first started, to actually putting them on a plan of care to actually see a change in their lives uh, right. was the other thing. And again, that sense of permission that that was okay to do that because it's certainly not anything that I, I learned at uni. Yeah, 100%. And, and when did you learn... Because I've talked to a lot of people about when they learn the power of the adjustment, because a lot of times people think um, like that, you know, adjustments are great along with a bunch of other stuff. When, when did you really understand the power of the adjustment? More and more all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've listened to a, you know, a couple of people recently and they ask, why don't we see the miracles anymore in chiropractic? And mm-hmm. I think that the main reason for that is, is firstly, we don't want to see them. So we don't ask to see them. We don't ask for the the people, you know, the, the sick and the dying. We don't ask those people to come to our practice because we feel as though we're limited to this tiny little scope of things. Right. Uh, I think you're saying before that in Canada, um, mm-hmm. there, there's a part of the profession that wants to limit it just to back pain. Well, if that's all you focus. That's all you're really going to see. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it was for me, again, being a part of this other practice that, uh, you know, there's a whole range of people that were coming in, you know, people in wheelchairs and uh, kids who are very, very unwell. And you would start to see changes. For some of the people, they were, they were immediate. And for others, they were incremental over time, but they were changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I think I started to see you know, that the whole you know, uh, um, triumph actually started working. You, know, you increase the intelligence of the body, take the pressure off the nervous system, and life does improve. Life does increase. And so you start to see the practical application of that. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of, and you have to be open to look for it too, right? Because, yeah. What I, what I feel sometimes is when, when uh, some chiropractors are so dependent on evidence, there's the, we always say there's the three, the three stools of evidence, right? And one is, is the research and one is the chiropractor's experience. And the second is the practice member or the patient's experience. And if you're not willing to do the patient experience or the chiropractor's experience without the research, then the whole thing's stopped. Well, it's, it's not true either, is it? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not, it's not uh, Newtonian like that. Yes. Um, you know, you're pulling on all of those things all of the time. And there's probably, you know, another seven legs to that stool that we don't even know about that, that come into it all. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's not just about the published evidence. Um, you know, I've heard others talk about, well, what evidence are you prepared to accept? Um, you know, anecdotal evidence makes a huge difference. And you know, we need to have faith that the people know what they need as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, when someone's coming in and I've got some bizarre thing going on and they want help with that, it's, not that we're trying to treat that, but you're adjusting them and then you're letting their body do that work. Um, mm-hmm. And so again, taking the, the blinds off your own eyes so you can see the changes uh, helps them get the changes. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're in practice, uh, you, did you open your own practice then right after that? Uh, yeah, so I left this practice um, yeah. and uh, wanted to try it by myself. In the end, I realized that uh, as I was developing my own philosophy around practice and life and, and, and things, uh, I was no longer coherent sort of with, uh, with the practice I'd moved to. Um, and so I had that discussion uh, you know, with the owner and decided to move on. And that all finished very amicably. I think we were very good in that respect. Yeah. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I paid for a portion of the practice to come with me, so I didn't want to be stealing people or anything like that. So you know, we kept things very ethical. Yeah. Uh, and that meant that we had a pretty good relationship right the way through. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, it's good. I think that we should all be working towards that too. You know, we don't need more enemies in our profession. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be our own profession who are hating us. We've got enough people out there who are our haters. <laughs> so I went true. off and started trying it by myself. Um, but I, um, and sort of applied the same sort of principles. Mm-hmm. The whole idea that, you know, the body's smart, uh, you know, chiropractic does this. It's just a very simple message. Um, but I found I was able to then build on what I had started at the other practice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did find though that working solo is um, it's a bit lonely, and uh, yeah, I think it was from there that I, I started looking for something else to do as well. So I started getting myself involved in the, the state association here, and that then led me on a path which finished up with things more recently. Ah, that's cool. And so when you started that practice, what did you do to, to initially grow that practice when you um, opened your own place? Well, we, we did all the standard things. So, you know, the letterbox drops, um, you know, the, the local media ads, um, all those sorts of things. And there were a number of, of new people that we would pick up from each of those little strategies. Uh, but in the end, the, the greatest practice builder was the word of mouth. And I don't yes. think that's a surprise to anyone. No. Um, no, no. So really, you just got to do a good job. I think um, you know, you, you, if you do a good job and you and you you say what you're going to do and you deliver on what you're going to do um, and you do it well, then people refer themselves in. And so, in the end, that was our marketing strategy. It was about uh, you know being authentic, um, you know, doing it our way, uh, and we would attract the people who needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it was it was very simple. Um, there were no real marketing tricks. Uh, again, the message is the same in chiropractic. Uh, you know, we all do the same sort of thing if we're chiropractors. So there's no real difference in the message. It's just really, you know, the environment that we set in which we do it. Uh, and that seemed to, to work quite well for us. That's awesome. And so did you ever get to a point where you uh, got to a burnout phase or, or kind of stopped looking after yourself or any time in your career where you kind of get a little burnt out? Because we hear a lot of chiropractors out there kind of feel a little bit burnt out. And if you did, what was it or any, any recommendations for them? Yeah, I, I can understand how that would happen. Um, it's funny, what, this topic comes up a lot, I think. Yeah. And it, it seems that the solution is always the same. It's getting back to the principle. Um, yeah. Once you get back to the philosophy and you realize that <clears throat> it's not about you, and the burnout, I think, is often about, about you. Right. Like you're feeling tired, you're feeling burned out, you feel like you don't want to get out of bed. Um, when you start to see your life is not for you, but for other people, and you start acting in service, then that no longer is a consideration. I remember stories of, you know, Gonstead driving around a car at midnight and popping into people's houses because it's such a sense of service. And I think we have started to lose that a little bit more recently because Mm -hmm. it's become much more about how I'll be my practice, what I need to do um, for me, rather what I need to do for for others. So I think if you have a sense of service, it's a bit like children. You might get tired at times, but you don't (laughs) stop loving them. You don't stop (laughs) stop looking after them. Um, You don't get burned out necessarily uh, because they're always there. So I think if, if we have a, a sense of purpose, which is, is about um, everyone else, then you don't seem to suffer that as much. As far as did I go through that, um, I, I found that my, my interests changed to, you know, I had football, I had practice, um, I started getting into the politics, you know, I had all these other things going on and my, my interest would wane. So the practice would go up and down depending on what I was doing. But if I was feeling a bit of burnout in one area, I probably just naturally shifted to something else to take on my interest. Um, I know there are chiropractors who spend all their lives doing practice, and I admire those guys. Um, I'm just not one of those. Mm. Um, so I bet that I think I always had a, a reprieve or a break from whatever it is I was doing. So I didn't necessarily suffer full-on burnout. I would worry at times. Uh, yeah. But again, when I, I'll get back to the principle, uh, whether it be a seminar or a, a reading through something, that would be enough to get me back in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I was I was talking to you just before about how you'd been you said you're in practice for about 14 years, and then you decided to leave to to kind of uh, work on this project. And I was wondering if you'd share share with the listeners a little bit about what that project was and and how how that how that started. Uh, yeah, so um, as I moved away from 
a practice in Adelaide and started setting up my own, I, I got into the politics of, of chiropractic. And really, that was just to surround myself with other chiropractors because you know, as a way to limit things like burnout, you want to be surrounded by the chiropractors. That was, that was one of my strategies. So I got involved in state politics. I ended up being the state president here in South Australia for a few years. From there, I spent three years on the registration board um, and I moved in onto the national board as well. Um, so the Australian Chiropractic Association, I think it's called now. Um, and I started to see the profession from, from quite a different perspective. So you start seeing all the different wheels in the machine. Yeah. You see the different groups more evenly. Um, you start understanding that there are all these stakeholders which are feeding into it. Some of them are for us, some of them are against us. Um, and you start understanding the game that's being played. Um, one of the games that uh, you know, we felt we had to do was when um, a group here in Australia um, came out to, and they, they wanted to denigrate and destroy chiropractic, and this was only 2007, um, we decided to pull away from our core values. So our core values were traditional chiropractic principles about innate intelligence, about subluxation. So we decided to pull them from our website, pull them from anything that was an outside media uh, thing and put it in a drawer with right. the, the thinking that we would just pull it out when it was safe again. And I realized, and I felt terrible at that. I, I was one of the people on that board who was, who was pushing for it because I thought it was the smart and the rational and the, you know, this is the right thing to be doing. Um, yeah. Very grown up to, to make that decision. But I almost realized straight away that um, we've just shot ourselves in the foot. Mm. So we worked quite hard to, to try and get that back in some way. Um, firstly, we tried to, to bring the core values back in at a board level so that we then filtered down through the association and, and that was met with a lot of resistance. Mm. Um, I then tried to set up a, almost like a, a special interest group, um, which is, sounds so terrible, a special interest group in, in philosophy that could then advise the, what was called the CAA at the time, um, on its its actions in regards to the philosophy, to almost to try to keep it honest to, to those yeah. uh, principles. Um, but that went very badly too. Um, and in fact, it was at a meeting where we we're trying to drum up support for that idea um, that Philip Meister from the New Zealand College was stood up and said, look, this is not the answer. The answer to, to looking after chiropractic in Australia has to be through education. Yeah. And, and that to me was a, was a, a, um, a real light bulb moment. You start to see that, uh, that the, the programs here in Australia, they have a certain philosophy about what chiropractic is, which is you know, this back pain, um, evidence-only model, uh, and they're churning out huge numbers of chiropractors. So in Australia at the time, there was about 3,500 chiropractors. Uh, these programs were churning out 500 graduates a year um, and do the sums on that. You know, all yeah. of a sudden, the number of people who graduated with this, with this way of thinking about chiropractic is increasing. So the, there's, there's a numbers game now. Yes. And over time, um, I think you mentioned this when we were speaking before, that more and more of those people who think that way then get into state boards and then onto national boards and other areas of control and they start pushing the profession in a certain direction. Right. So it, it made sense to me that that's the game that we had to play. Mm. So um, I'm sure most people are aware that uh, you know, chiropractic in Australia is not the best place to be practicing vitalistically. Um, there's a lot of government restriction and control. Profession itself is is um, is petrified to stand out and say anything, um, and it's hard when you look towards an organisation where you put your good money, you put your faith. Um, and in my case, I had put in my service there as well, and they yeah. weren't prepared to stand up for that. Right. Oh, that's so like, similar to Canada. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's like telling the story. It's it's just yeah. Uh, it's making my my skin like go. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and I understand and having spent a lot of time on those boards. I understand their position. Like I know they feel as though 
um, they've, they've got to toe the line or they've got to appease certain interest groups. Um, but I think in the end, you know, an, an organization, whether it's a membership-based organization or it's a company, um, it's got a sense of principles that it needs to maintain. It's got to stand for something. Because if yeah. you don't stand for anything, you're going to fall for, for everything, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that's what I think sadly happened here in Australia. We haven't had the representation mm-hmm. to stand up for, what I, for, for chiropractic. And just by the way, while well, <laughs> I'm talking about what is chiropractic, um, I've I realized when you start asking people what chiropractic is, they, they start saying things like, oh, chiropractic to me is X, Y, Z, or chiropractic to me is A, B, and C. Um, I believe that's not the case. Um, you know, if you looked at a, at a glass and I you ask someone, what is this? And they'd say it's a glass. It's always going to be a glass you know, in the same right. sort of way. A table is always going to be a table. Chiropractic is just one thing. It's always only going to be chiropractic. It's not open to interpretation. So, you, you know, you, you just can't take something and then change it into something else and call it still chiropractic. Right. So I felt we had to stand true to that principle and then start teaching a program which could produce chiropractors understood that. Mm-hmm. And it was from that, that uh, we started the, the Australian Chiropractic Initiative. Um, oh. And we've been working on that since what, 2015. Yes. And just before we get into the school, I just, I'll just mention like in Canada, the big challenge is because they're taking the NMSK out of everything to just MSK and, and, they, and they, they're taking the nervous system out, but they say they're not taking the nervous system out, but they say they're just saying that they're taking the nervous system out, but it's still, you can still do it. But it's the same thing as you, is as soon as you take it out, it's going out. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and if you can't find the nervous system on anywhere in the, like on the Canadian Chiropractic Association or anything like that, it's not there. So, yeah. and, you, and you know that an association that you pay membership dues into that you'd like them to stand up for you, they probably won't unless you're MSK. And, and so, yeah. Well, it's the same around the world. Like, you know, you, you yeah. get to see it all over in Europe. It's the same in the US, um, same yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's the same around the world. And I think there's a, a, a propensity for people who think a certain way to gravitate towards those boards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is what I start to realize too, that, um, you know, we have a philosophy. Uh, we, have some, we have some great science to back up our philosophy. Yeah. Um, we have people who are practicing it. So they're doing the, the practice part of it but no one's actually prepared to stand up and do anything for it. I think we're we're so concerned about our um, self-interest that we're actually not prepared to sacrifice the time to go and do something which makes a big difference more globally. Um, I listened to one of your podcasts before with uh, Chuck Ribley. And, you know, listening to how he's applied his entire life um, to making a difference. So it sounds like he has a huge practice, um, but he's then gone on to to be involved with Life, uh, Life West, a number of chiropractors he would have then produced through those efforts who have then gone to save millions of people's lives. Now, yeah. That's really making a difference. Yes. I'm sure, again, listening to him, he had to pay to do that. Yeah. You know, that's, how does that fit with a, you know, <laughs> with a capitalistic society? It, it doesn't because that's, that's a life of service. I think right. the more people that actually take action and stand up for what they believe in, again, this is whole idea of, of being in service to things. Yeah. Um, more people can do that, the better off we will be. Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to stand behind your philosophy and use it as a shield, you actually have to act on it. Yes, 100%. And that's what we're trying to do, just even in Canada, just get people to become more involved. And a lot of them, we're trying to connect them as well, as we're trying to get a group to connect people because they don't know, for one, they don't know what's going on. And for two, they don't know what to do. Like they they, they're, they want to do something, but they what do I do? They don't know what to do. So so yeah. th- this is great. And, uh, and so tell us a little bit about um, the Australia Chiropractic College and, and how it started and, and kind of what stages are you at now? Uh, yeah, well, um, 
Firstly, it was never about having a college. You know, it was never about having an educational institution and all the detail-y, crappy stuff that goes with that. And I've got to say, there's a, a, a heap of that sort of stuff that you've got to get up and going. Um, and not being a detail guy, I found that a real challenge. But it was never, it was never about, about having a, another school, never about having a college. Um, for me, the vision was, it was actually almost like an anti-vision, like seeing a world where, if I get emotional, I apologize, but imagining a world where my kids' grandkids didn't have access to chiropractic because I failed to take an action now. That was the thing that I started to think, well, no way, I'm not going to let that happen. So what can I do to, to, to impact you know, those people I'm never going to meet? So therefore, it's not, it's not about the college. In some ways, it's selfish. You know, I did say about you know, not being self-serving, but it's, ma- it's making sure that those, those, those little people who are unlikely to meet, making sure that they have access to what I've had access to and the life that it's brought me. And not to say as a chiropractor, but just that way of thinking about life, like seeing that life is beautiful and that you know, things do have a, have a way of ebb and flow. Um, and in a simple terms, that the human body can heal. You know, that's, that's a beautiful understanding to have of the world. So for me, that's what the motivation of the vision was. It was to produce chiropractors who could continue producing chiropractor after chiropractor into future generations. Mm. Um, so with that in mind, um, we had to set about getting it going and and the, the biggest challenges we had were you know what's the bureaucracy we have to get through and how much money do we have to raise that were probably the two things right and both of them been equally difficult um so over the course of the next few years i was able to start to move politically and involve people who were important in starting to get some studies done um to, to back up that science stuff that we needed a college firstly um, and then organize people in the right sort of boards so that then when it came to funding, uh, we would have access to some. Uh, and by 2016, we felt as though we had the basis and we were ready to launch. So we went to Dynamic Growth in Brisbane and, uh, you know, we launched there. It was a, lot of, it was a big surprise to a lot of people. Um, you know, talking about the ACC, there was a lot of excitement about it. And so we started to bring in a little dribble of money. Um, over time, we've raised more and more cash. We've had to go through a uh, very rigorous process with a group called TEXA. Uh, they're the, um, the federal higher education regulator here in Australia. Um, mm. And that's taken us, we put an application into 2016. We're hoping to get approval by 2017. Um, uh, but that's not what's happened. They've, they've knocked us back. We've reapplied. They've knocked us back. We've changed our information. They've knocked us back again. We've kind of more and more um, cognizant of the fact that the knockbacks are not driven by our application though. It's driven by, again, those people who don't want us to get up. Right. However, on the same day that uh, Adelaide hits that remarkable 47 degrees centigrade, um, I reckon Adelaide was so hot that day because uh, <laughs> Tex actually gave us approval. <laughs> now, we, so we, yeah, we, actually, we ended up having to take them to a, a tribunal um, and show that they were acting uh, outside of their, their scope. Um, and at that point, they sort of pulled right back and gave us approval. Really? So, yeah. 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 So, you know, it became a real political issue. Uh, we sp- probably spent, I don't know, it sounds cheap actually in Australian dollars, but probably spent about $800,000 um, just through that process. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Well, and, and again, this is, this I think will be news to a lot of chiropractors ears around Canada, especially and around the world is because, you know, it, it seems like sometimes we're, we're like, we're trying to organize people for elections. We're trying to organize people to run for councils or da, da, da. And then it's like, we get knocked down, get knocked down, knocked down. And so, so I just want to say congratulations to you guys. Cause it's, it, 
we all want to hear some good news. And that, that was, <laughs> that, that is like some damn good news that I want to spread around the underdog nation. We got another school coming. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And look, we're, we're, we're so excited about it. I mean, in some ways I'm, I, I'm disbelieving of it because it's been such a hard, hard road. Um, but at the same time, it was almost like that's just a tick. You know, we've had to get this text approval and now it's just a little tick on the board. You know, we've, we've done that bit and now we've got to go into the next part. So right. now we have to, you know, raise more money. We've got to, you know, set up the facility. You've got to buy all the stuff. You've got to enroll the students. And once you've got that already, then we have to start teaching there. And so there's a whole other range of things that come with that. And then we've got to graduate the students. Um, and then we've got to support those students. So you know, it's a never ending thing. Yeah. But again, if, if my, if my vision is in, for future generations I'm not going to meet, then, you know, it, it makes it all worthwhile. Um, mm -hmm. You just stick to it and, you know, really what's, what's my life in comparison to all those other people that I'm able to influence. So I might as well dedicate my life to it. That's, that's amazing. So when, when would the school be uh, taking students and like when, when you guys would be ready to go? Uh, we'll be teaching in 2020. In 2020. And, and in Australia, then you start in January. Is that your school year? Is that when it starts? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think differently to say the US, where they take in uh, intakes every quarter or so, we take one intake a year. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, we're greatly influenced by the New Zealand College. In fact, those guys have been—they've been incredible. They—they um, they actually gifted us their curriculum. Um, I reckon it's probably the greatest uh, act of paying it forward that has ever occurred in our profession. It was estimated that the, the curriculum in New Zealand is worth I don't know, somewhere between seven and eight million dollars. Um, but they gave it to us. Uh, and wow. that, that to me, I, I find is, is so humbling. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing about it is that and these Kiwis, they're, they're, they're an odd group of people. Um, they're almost <laughs> as odd as the Canadians. Uh, but, you know, they, uh, we love them all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they sent a delegation over to Adelaide to meet up with, the, with us who are working on, on the college, mm -hmm. just to sound us out and see what we were like and make sure we were aligned. Um, and in the end, uh, they told us that we that they liked us and they were going to give us their approval based on one main thing, and that was there was no dickheads, um, <laughs> which is a very New Zealand thing to, <laughs> thing that's to do. The, that's the main criteria. That was the main criteria. There's no dickheads. Yeah, <laughs> that's so awesome. So, um, so you, you'll you'll be taking students. Then you can take them from all over the world. Then, right? So, so like Canadian students could even go down. Canadian students could go down there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we have to go through still more processes of approval and accreditation, all that sort of stuff. But uh, yep. we're going through that process now. Um, so we have, we have to get approval from the government to take in uh, overseas students and um, right. financial support for the students and all that sort of stuff too. Uh, but whilst you know, that's not a certainty, it is very much a matter that we can actually do that now and get it done. Uh, and we have no reason to believe that, uh, again, we wouldn't have those things in place for next year. That's awesome. So yes, 2020, uh, students need to do, it's again, because New Zealand have given us their curriculum, there are a number of prerequisites that need to be done at a university level. So yeah. things like your anatomy and physiology and all that sort of stuff that needs to be done prior to entry to the college. Uh, it's in a four-year program. Mm -hmm. So if someone's a part of uh, the first intake next year in 2020, they would graduate, uh, or the last year would be 2024. I've got that, that's right. Yeah. That's and so so for you know we got a lot of chiropractors that, like you said that were feel alone and don't know how to help support this movement and so what are what what could chiropractors and again we do have lots of listeners in Australia too Australia New Zealand Canada UK all around the United States the United States is the vast majority of our listeners but 
Um, what, what could a chiropractor do if they wanted to help support you? What, what are some of the things they could do to help you? Well, the main thing is, is, is money. And, and the reason for that, uh, we, we do want other stuff too. But um, when it comes to running an organization, that we've realized there's so much cash that goes into stuff that you don't even see. So, uh, for instance, one of the biggest investments we're going to have to make is into a um, computer system that acts as a, as a storage thing for students' information. Now, that's not very sexy. Um, it's not very exciting. Yeah. Um, so it's not the sort of thing that you could, you could put someone's name on. Um, but that's going to cost us half a million dollars wow. to, to get that together. So yeah. you know, this is where we're, we're raising funds um, and putting money towards things like that it makes a huge difference for our ability to teach. And with those sort of systems, um, that's the sort of thing that the regulators look at quite closely because they want to make sure that if there's some sort of problem with, I don't know, say someone breaks the internet, that we don't lose everything. You know, right. They want to make sure that we are a solid, well-organized um, corporation almost that can, that can deliver a high-quality program. And so we need to have these things underpinning that. So money's the main thing, um, particularly now when we're setting up. But after that, the lifeblood is students. So right. referring students is the main thing. I mean, that's, you know, if we were uh, talking in terms of, 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 of a practice, you know, students are the new people to a practice. Um, and they're your, your, you know, your repeat people. They're the people then you would put onto a care plan throughout those years. Right. So, you know, once we're set up and going, then it's going to be referring students to the college is the main mm -hmm. thing. Um, but I do not discount in any way the love and support that people can give to us too. Mm -hmm. like, you know, keeping the excitement and momentum going. Um, it, it's, it's the newest carburetor program on the planet and it's going to be exciting. But because it's new, it's going to have heaps of teething issues, I'm sure. No, it's right. not going to be a perfect ride. Um, so, you know, we need people to be tolerant uh, and understanding and still help us out as much as they can as we, we set up. I mean, again, I'm a chiropractor. I'm, I'm not an academic. I'm not an educational expert. Um, and so if I can do it, you can do, play your part too by supporting me if need be. So if I'm crying on the phone sometimes or, you know, <laughs> I'm throwing things around the room, you know, that's where I'm going to need the love and support of the profession. Yeah, 100%. So if, if someone wanted to donate, um, like do you have a website or how, how, how can someone do a process of donating to your school? Yeah, so we're, at the moment we have a website called the ACC Initiative, or mm -hmm. one word, .com.au. Uh, and if you go to the website, you'll see a donate button. Um, there are links into our bank account where you can do a direct transfer over. Um, I think for international people donating money, you need a SWIFT number. I believe that's up there too. Um, can you pay by Visa? I think you can pay by Visa. Oh, yes, perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just check on all of those things. The other thing is I have to change our websites over now. So, you know, our ACC initiative, which was about building support for the idea of the college, now has to shift to the college itself. So um, there might be some glitches again as we move towards that, that thing. Um, but we'll leave our donation page up there as long as possible. Okay, that's awesome. So Underdog Nation, let's get out there. All, all those wins that we have for Vitalistic NMSK Chiropractic, <laughs> Uh, let's support it as much as we can. So, um, so I always like to ask a fun question that we got like all excited there. Um, I always like to talk about the Terminator question in the movie Terminator, how you get to go back to talk. He, you can go back and talk in time and talk to yourself. What, what, what kind of advice would you give your younger self if you could sit back like to when you're like 20 or in chiropractic school uh, and you could kind of almost be a father figure to yourself? What kind of advice would you give to yourself? Uh, <laughs> my first response is to go back to uh, the New Zealand thing and, and tell myself not to be a dickhead. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> no, I think it'd be the first thing. Um, yeah, probably more. You know, it'll be alright. I think I would say. You know, yeah. there's no need to stress or worry. You know, you're going to be okay. 
whatever you're doing right now, you'll learn from that. Um, don't worry what other people are saying to you. Uh, don't stress too much about where you think you are right now. You're going to be okay. Life's good. I think yeah. I'll be there just to, to hear me whinge and complain, but then still be that fatherly figure say, it's going to be okay. I think that's the main thing. Uh, I don't think there's anything I'd necessarily change because I, I figure that whatever good has happened to me, whatever bad has happened to me is just a matter of my perspective and I wouldn't be where I am now without either of those things. Right. No, that's so true. And we all car as chiropractors, we worry so much, like we spend so much time worrying. So that again, I've heard that lots for, from people just going, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. So that, so that's awesome. Now in, uh, in closing, um, I always just kind of like to leave the floor to, to my guests and, and just have them spend a couple of minutes just sharing some inspiration. Cause we got, we have chiropractors out there that, you know, they they feel like underdog or they are, or they're just trying to grow their practice. So they might feel a little stagnated. They might be a little bit burnt out or, you know, they're just driving to work, looking to get a little bit inspired and, and, uh, and just want to know what kind of words you'd like to leave everybody with. Well, perhaps a story. Don. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, perhaps a story. If I, I think I'm not quite sure of its origins, but I, I know it's a very old story. It's a story of this dude who's uh, walking along a path and he comes into the hills and he starts climbing up these stairs into this mountain and he climbs for a very, very, very long time. He gets to the very top of the mountain and he sees there at the very top of the mountain is this figure sitting and you know, he's gone through the clouds and there's this person sitting in the lotus position, their eyes are closed and he thinks, Oh my God, you know, I've come across something here. It's come across something. I have come across God. And he says, Oh, I've walked all this way. Um, I've come across you here. You must be God. And this figure just sits quietly, says nothing. He says, Oh, well, then you, you must be, you must be a saint. Again, the figure just sits there, doesn't say anything, looking very serene. And he says, Oh, well, maybe you're just a great holy man. Again, the figure says nothing. In some sort of desperation and frustration, this, this man, he yells out, Tell me, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? At that point, the figure opens her eyes, just looks very serenely at the man and says, I am awake. So the meaning of all of that, I think, is the inspiration is not outside of you. Right. It's on the inside of you. Okay. Forget all the fears and the worries and everything else. Look on the inside. Go back to the, the soul that you've got and the beauty you've got inside there. It doesn't matter about what's happened, or what you have done, or what you think you should have done or you should have done. Um, the beauty's on the inside. That's the inspiration lies. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, getting up bright and early in Adelaide morning. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here, Don. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I want to thank you just on behalf of the profession, because I know you, you and then there's a group of chiropractors that probably all work together to kind of really get this, this rolling. Um, is there anyone you'd want to also thank that has been, been a kind of in, in, instrumental in getting these things rolling? Oh yeah, well, absolutely. Um, yes. Well, the, uh, the New Zealand college, so Phil McMaster and Ash Pritchard there, yeah. um, Absolutely, the Rubicon Group. So, you know, Guy Reekman and Jerry Klum, um, um, Christina and Ron and uh, Adrian, all those guys associated with the Rubicon Group. Um, there are particular three homies, I think, who have been our, our inner core um, with the college. And that's Dr. Hayden Bell and Dr. Aaron Scott here in, in, in Adelaide, the chiropractors here. Um, and Dr. Mark Possels, who's been a mentor of mine for, I don't know, as long as the universe is old. So um, thank you to all of you guys. That's great because we just want, you know, we want to get some gratitude out there because just, uh, you know, we, we need some changes and we need some help with our style of chiropractic and, and I really want to appreciate that. So, so again, yeah. thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Make sure all the listeners out there that you donate to the school, um, help them out because they, they need their health to get rolling. And, uh, and once they're rolling, make sure you send chiropractic students to the, to the college. It's going to be, like I said, their lifeblood. 
And I think the biggest thing I got from this uh, podcast episode was living in service, right? We talk about breaking the underdog curse. And when you're, when you consider yourself an underdog or think you're an underdog, it's, that's about you. And, uh, and if you're in service, you can't really be an underdog. And so uh, I think that would be the, the thing for you guys. So make sure you get out there, stay in service so that you can crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.